Welcome to the intro. I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. You know what, everyone? We are Josh, and this is all I'm laying it at the feet of Josh. The inspiration. He's inspired us. Me. Uh, I'm learning from him. I'm like a little toadstool who's growing under his tutelage. Uh, we're, 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 uh, in October. We're in October. Okay. And it's Halloween. And in the last episode, we talked about fear. And Josh brought yeah. in. He's like, I'm, I want to do fear again. And I was incredulous. I was not on board, but he convinced me. He influenced me. Uh, I'm a grasshopper. I'm a grasshopper. And, uh, and so our, we're flipping the tables. We're so now the tables. it's you are the fear generator as an agile coach. Yeah. We're talking through that, what that means. And how, how do you, do you deal not, with how do you yeah. reposition? How, how do you, how does that affect your stance? As a coach, there's a little bit of leadership in there, but it's mostly from the coaching point of view. So yeah. we do generate and we, I think, I don't know if we acknowledge it often enough. So the episode's going to explore that. Yes. So topics for us to cover in the intro, TechWell, Agile DevOps East, November. November, early, first week in November, oh, Orlando. Oh, let's do this probably. Okay. First week of November, or, or, or. What discount. Was... I'm, I'm trying to remember those car where they had the echo. Oh, what was the car come down to the racetrack or something? I don't know. Oh, I forget it. You've just lost re- me. You've lost forget. all of our listeners. Just discount hit stop. code. Come down there. No, Josh, no. Josh, you're speaking. I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Yeah. Bunch of other people. Mary Thorne's down there. A bunch of great. Ryan is there. Yep. A bunch of great speakers are there. So use. Promo code Meta18 and save $400 off your registration. That is a good discount, ladies and gentlemen. So just leverage it. If you're on the East Coast, there's no excuses. It's Orlando. It's the most fun place on the freaking planet. Get your butt down there. (laughs) It's even more fun when Bob and I are there. Speaking of that, if you haven't heard, every Tuesday and Thursday, I host a live stream answering questions. Very similar. Live, but it's not. It's not recording. It's live. Yeah. And he's and you can stump him and 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 you can bring hard questions and watch him stutter right there live. Oh, it's visual too. It is visual. It's not just recording. No. It's a visual stream. But here's the thing: I've got backup. Chat is always there to save the day. Chat has been fantastic. So the community we have of people that show up every Tuesday and Thursday to engage in that discussion and help each other out. You are building have, a community. Yeah, that way. you're going to have a hard time finding a, a situation where there's people there ready willing and able to jump like today the stream was fantastic i basically the second half stopped talking and they took over it was fantastic really yeah so so they had your back yeah check us out that's why i'm not worried bring your bring your hard questions bob you don't scare me you what you want to go we you want to go yeah we've got it a tate a tate yeah, bring it on. I told it. Bring it on. <laughs> you bet. And on that day, I hope no one should. That would be so cool. You're just there by no, your lonesome. we're good. We got, we got some got regulars. It. We got some regulars. Yes, that are Just crush it. So this is Stitch. Twitch. It's free. Twitch. Twitch. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that was unintentional. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it Twitch. Uh, I was close. Yeah. It's twitch.tv. Forward slash Kazi underscore IO. It's linked everywhere on all our social stuff. 
everywhere. It's in our post. So I please so check out us on so Twitch, not Stitch. On Twitch. I'm pathetic metacasters. I'm right. sorry. Technology is my Achilles heel. So with that, get on the in, in all seriousness, I, I've been on it. It's it's a great it's a it's a great resource and, and Josh is trying to create a great community. So Yeah, and we're scheduling um I've got a couple other places lined up that we're gonna go on a road show. At like I'm lining up to spend some time at Pendo and do a stream Are from you? there and get oh, some that's people. Cool. Yeah, get some of their coaches. I'm working on a few other places. That's freaking oh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Shake and bake, yeah. dude. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, let's get on to the episode. Sounds good. Welcome to the Medicast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Optimus Changeinator? Is that what you just said? Optimus Priminator Change Man. Yes. I am the change. I am the changeinator. <laughs> so today's topic is centered around fear. Fear of change. It's October. It fear is October. of change and how we as Agile coaches are responsible for bringing change to an organization. That's cool. That's exciting. That's what we want to do. We're getting paid to do that. People are excited to have us on board. And then there are people that aren't. Yeah. There are people that are afraid of the change that we're bringing. We are the Grim Reaper. We are the one that's changing their lives. We're flipping it upside down. So how do we handle that situation? What do we do? How do we help them understand that we're not there to destroy their lives? We're there actually to make it better. We're not there? No, I go in to destroy... Oh. I want to take souls. <laughs> I want to. T- I want to rip out their souls, particularly the young ones. Yeah, oh, the like the ones. millennials. Yeah, that are sitting there playing games and stuff. I want to rip their freaking little souls wow. out. Wow. Yeah, we take, learned take a lot about away. Bob today. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I am the old. <laughs> I am. Jeez. <laughs> no, um, you're right. I, no, and I'm being. I'm being serious. Not that I wasn't being serious just then. Yeah. But, oh no, I thought you were totally serious. Uh, but uh, you're making me think about my role. There is a bit of grim. I just I just taught two agile testing classes, mm-hmm. like twenty five people each mm-hmm. at at a client, so fifty people, and uh, it was it was funny. And they they're in the middle of agile, so mm-hmm. they're doing agile, but you know testers are always sort of left behind sometimes, yeah. or they're in a tough spot. And I was in like grim reaper mode for like. The whole the two days and you're giving what do me, you mean by that? Well, like, no, no, but I'm the, I was the I was the harbinger of change. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, I got you. Right, and people were looking at me uh, yeah. like that, and I mean, I again, I have a an engaging style, etc. But you're making me look at myself, and and I am that right. I go into a place. I'm I'm paid to go in and right. be disruptive as a change agent. In some cases, people pay me. They don't want to be an effective change agent themselves. Right, so they want you to be the jerk. So they want, well, I don't know about it. Well, I'm pretty good at being a jerk, but they, they pay me to come in and be the Tell disruptor. Well, I didn't what are you say whispering anything. about? I didn't oh, say anything. just whispering to yourself. I had something stuck in my throat. Yeah. <laughs> was it a microphone? <laughs> <laughs> but so, so that hit me today because we were talking about yeah. some of the challenges we've had as leaders and you kind of smacked me in the head one time when I was trying to get a retrospective working and you just like grabbed me by the shoulders and like, listen, your role 
carries weight, whether you wanted to or not. Right. It's not the kind of leader you want to be, but you're going to be perceived as that leader because your title says you are, whether you like it or not. So then I started thinking about that as an agile coach, someone leading a transformation. You don't want to be the guy that's there to make your life more difficult, but in reality, you are. Well, there's so part of it is if there's fear. So you're you're a change agent, mm-hmm. and you're right. Um, there's another part for me. It depends on your experience level. So I think maybe I'm a little bit more this way than you are sometimes because of how much experience I have. But then you have you have weight in what you say. You mm-hmm. have to be careful about what you say and how you say it mm-hmm. because it can be used not against you but against the organization. Or Bob said this. Yeah. Or Bob. So so you have to actually have an understanding. So you're a change agent, and you have to be careful about how you sort of present yourself. It's it's sort of with great power comes great responsibility. Right. That I'm not trying to be ego driven. I'm just saying. So there's a responsibility nature to it as well that I think we have, and sometimes you can forget that right. because people are looking at you like they may be resistant, but they're also looking at you like, but but this person has experience, right? So I want to listen to you know I'm I'm scared, I'm afraid, but I want to listen to them as well if they have something sound, or I might want to try it. And to me. And I want to see what your experience is. I've seen essentially three camps of people that are going through the transformation. There's one camp that has been begging for it. And they're like, finally, thank heavens, we're going to get better. Change is going to happen. There's the camp that just thinks it will never work. This is the dumbest idea ever. And I can't believe they're making us try it. And then there's the people that are just like, holy crap, my world's turning upside down. I don't know what to do. So I've seen those three groups. I feel like people fall fall into that. I'm really talking about <clears throat> that third group here that are just afraid because they're... The holy crap group. Right, yeah, the holy crap group of what does this mean? I was happy. I was comfortable. Um, I, why, why do we have to do this? I don't want to do this. I'm uncomfortable. Well, the first part to get to tools or techniques, when you initially said this, is the thing that struck me is the why, Mm -hmm. right? So so a lot of times, guys like you and I, you've heard me say this a lot, um, is, you know, we have to explain the why. Mm -hmm. So that's that's me talking to a leader, saying you have to strategically uh, talk about the why. But I think we as change agents, we as coaches, have to remind ourselves, I try to do it. I don't do it enough. I clearly, I know I don't do it enough. But not just do what I say, but try to explain the why behind yeah. it. What's the what's the driving forces? Like the daily stand-up. Why have a... I mean, in this class I was talking about, yeah. distributed teams came up. Uh, compromising ceremonies came up. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was trying to talk about, I was trying to motivate them about uh, or get them energized around the ceremonies <clears throat> and talk about, oh, it's distributed teams. Well, it's it's not yeah. for me. It's not for Scrum. You're not doing it for Ken Schwaber. The why is team collaboration. It's, right. a, it's a sync point. It's a really important sync point to have. Right. So you have may have, may have mocked the millennials, but to me, that's I was the just one thing. Around. I was just kidding around. Were you? Millennials out there in the audience, you have my undying respect and gratitude for being who you are. And you're all winners. You can't say that with a straight face. I just did. You didn't? I'm I staring just, right at you. I just, no one else can see my face. <laughs> I know what I'm here to represent them. <laughs> but that to me, that's the one thing that's changed is that that why has come to the forefront. And I've been yeah. a big believer in the why yeah. because then people start to 
carry that flag themselves. And you don't always have to be the one out there pounding the drum. That why has been the thing that's connected people with like, oh, I get it. Okay, I'm on board and I'm going to help move this forward right. as opposed to relying on me to be the change agent. So I start to enlist people right. with those powerful whys. Well, and, it's, and it's not just the big why. So we talk a lot of times, the big, why is the organization going agile? You need the big why, mm-hmm. but you also need all these little whys. Like user stories. I was talking about acceptance criteria. And I was trying to really talk about the power of acceptance criteria that they have and mm-hmm. clarifying the requirements mm-hmm. because they're ambiguous, right? Yep. Stories are intentionally ambiguous, mm-hmm. but it's like invest in, you know, I, I was getting excited with these guys and I was trying to show them examples and generate examples of the power of acceptance to help you with slicing and it's side effects. It's not just the acceptance. Mm-hmm. There's not just test cases, but they can help you with story slicing. They can help you with design ideas and things like that. And what I'm, what I was trying to do, I didn't think about it then, but I'm, I'm trying. So it's sort of the mini why behind the acceptance criteria. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the grandiose whys; it's the why around a lot of stuff. But then it's almost like as a change agent, then you have to you, you throw the why out there and then step back, right? You have to step back and let them sort of digest it, and hopefully they embrace it or not. But right? you've got to do it over and over. Like they, to me, that's my experience: is that you've got to continually explain the why and that aha moment won't happen at the same time for everybody. Everybody's going to discover it at their own pace. So you've just got to keep putting it out there and it eventually will click. Well, that's where the coaching, that's where you've had an advantage over me. You know, I do sort of situational coaching, yeah. right? You've been an embedded leader yeah, coach. Right, yeah. You can find those moments to say, and I told you so, mm-hmm. like look and shine a light on something. So there's explaining the why then there's allowing the team to do discovery. And I'm talking about mini-wise now. I'm not talking yeah. about the organization-wise. And then when the, when the sort of light bulb goes off, a lot of times people are blinded by it. They don't necessarily see how important it is. And I know you're really yeah. good at shining yeah, a light you've on Yeah, you've got to celebrate the crap out of exactly. it. Exactly. And, and, it's, and it's sort of weird because they're little things. They're, it's an acceptance criteria. Mm-hmm. It's a good standard. And people don't even know they're doing it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it's sort of – and then communicate that – and that's that's sort of that change agency. But I was going to actually pick at your original three, um, not pick at it, but you were saying there's the finally we're there, then they're never going to accept it. And I'm thinking of like a bell curve, you know, like sort of the crossing the chasm curve, yeah, right? Where there's what there's what what is it? There's the early adopters, and there's the middle majority, mm-hmm. the majorities, and then there's the laggards, yeah, or something. And I I do think. That probably factors over that curve, but the finally people, I think we we need to bring fear to them. A lot of times, the folks are like, "Finally, we're doing agile." They have a perception of agility that's oh, often yeah. wrong, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, they yeah. have like, but they're at least enthusiastic about their enthusiasm. So it's tough because if they were really enthusiastic about the change, they might have helped the change along sooner. Right. So you've got that. Hey, yes, I'm excited. But then, well, why didn't you help this happen sooner? Well, that and also why they may think that they know what they're talking about and they don't. So you actually have to be like a, you know, you have to be a change agent. You're going to bring fear into them. Oh, these guys, I've been doing it wrong Mm -hmm. or I've been thinking about it wrongly. So all I'm saying with those folks, the, the nevers are, the laggards are probably always laggards. Yeah. But I think, I think there's the holy crap people where you're, helping them embrace the change. But then there's the cocky, that's the wrong way to say it, but the cocky yeah, people I know what you're saying. Yeah. who think they know what they're doing. Right. 
And you almost have to burst their bubble to build them up to some degree. It's almost mm -hmm. like a boot camp kind of thing, you know, where you, you bring people in yeah. and try to sort of, what, tear them down to build them up. That's the wrong analogy, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we have to, I think coaches have to attack, attack, uh, address both of those things in a change initiative. So in the one case, right. you're sort of explaining the why. In the other case, you're sort of explaining the unwhy. And that, and the, oh crap people, that's actually easier. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think I, I mean, they're both hard or they're both a challenge, but I would say that the oh crap people are easier because they, at least they know they don't know. It's always hard when you're trying to coach somebody through something and they haven't understood the issue yet. So then you have to go through the process of getting them to listen to you <laughs> and right. then to understand that their view was slightly askew yep. and then get them to refactor that and get it pointed in the right direction. Well, I mean, let's use, use an example. And we've talked about this in the Metacast. I've never been wrong. No, the Scrum Master thing. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, Maybe but, I was wrong. No, but, but do you know how long it yeah. took? That was a long, oh, I'm not picking on you. No, that that right. was a long path, right? That was a really, you were askew mm -hmm. and sort of, I would poke at you and other people might poke at you. Yeah. But it took, and then you had to sort of get it, get there your own yeah, mind, I, right? I had my own aha moment that I was forced into. Similar yeah. thing, right? I had yep. gone without it, and then there was this situation, and it was there. And I turned around, and I had that, oh, well, that's what it looks like. Right. I get it now. Right. And you, right, to your point, you had told me dozens of times. But you got to, you got to, people got to get there. So, so I think it, there's explain the why at different levels. Um, could I throw out another thing that, yeah. like, as coaches, we model the, I've been trying to, in classes, again, it's something this, this certified, the Cal class that I teach probably has inspired me to do more. So in the last two or three years, maybe slightly more than that, I've been trying to model agile behavior in classes. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been trying to model it. I've always tried to model it like if I'm in a job. Right. But I'm trying to model, like. What do you mean by that? Uh, so like, I think I know what you mean, but I want to make not, sure I listen to tell people what to do. Yeah. So, uh, I'll create a space for the, uh, for the class. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll create ground rules. So I'm trying to do what I would tell them to do. I would right. try, I try to charter a class. I've been doing more collecting backlogs and working. We do that. We've done this in the Metacast, mm -hmm. the live Metacast. We right. do that. I, not only are we doing a live Metacast, but I think we're modeling whether we know know it or like it or not, we're modeling that behavior, right? Mm -hmm. We co we collect things from customers, we get feedback from the audience, we try to address it, we try to drive value, uh, we try to be real with each other. Mm -hmm. Try to if you if you're going to disagree, mm -hmm. I mean disagree with me, right? Right. That's that's be honest. Let's be transparent. Uh, so I try to model that behavior as much as I can. I try to model like uh, clarity of communication. If someone says something that I think think is stupid, I won't just. So I have a choice in the class. I could what agree with them or avoid a confrontation mm -hmm. or have a have a congruent conversation with them, uh, etc. The other thing in modeling is I'll do role plays more often. Uh, the coaching dojos are like that, mm -hmm. where I create safe spaces so we can have these. So we practice, we model the behavior that we want the teams to show. So safety is another one of those yes. things. I try to sort of model safety. I try to create a safe space. Uh, part of that is showing vulnerability. So I try to amplify my own vulnerability. I, I like, I like opportunities. You're going to like this to say, I don't know, or to say I was wrong. 
I'm happy to help you anytime you need please support in that please direction. Help. I would. I, I, you're, I'd be happy to Metacasters, help. There was a sparkle in his eyes. <laughs> his little face lit up. <laughs> yes, but you know, I mean, it's it's things like not being a know-it-all, mm -hmm. showing vulnerability, uh, sharing things. Uh, it's as simple as as even like sitting down with. So instead of adopting a posture where you're like standing and talking to people. I'm starting to prefer like training from the back of the room is this technique where you go to the back room or you sit down with people. So mm -hmm. instead of you standing implies that I'm above you or I'm teaching, right? Yeah. I know. And you don't, we all know and right. trying to create a shared space, which you would want in an agile team. So that's, I hope that I, it's modeling. It's sort of in our behavior model as much of that show as much of it as you can. Uh, and I think that helps as well. So it's, it you know from from a change perspective it's the why but also show whenever you can show people what it looks like uh even if it's like writing like right i do you know writing a uh, user story mm -hmm. mining user stories mining and, and getting excited as it unfolds i yeah. think that helps people i mean it's the old adage and it's completely true that actions speak louder than words yeah that you if you stand up there and spout off about change, but then people see you behaving in a manner that's contradictory to what you're asking them to do, you've lost them yeah. at that point, and your likelihood of success is drastically reduced. So you you have that responsibility to do that, and that's those things where I've caught myself in the past with, with my initial gut reaction is to do one thing, and then I then I have that uh oh moment like I I can't do that. Right. It's irresponsible of me in this position. To do that, even though that's right. the harder thing, and I'm asking my teams to do the harder thing, now I have to do the harder thing. Right. I think also a passion uh, as coaches, maybe passion and honesty. Uh, it's not something I simulate or I model, and I want to hear what you you know your reaction. But I, I think I bring a natural passion about agility based on you know I've seen it be successful, and. Um, and then just try and, but then there's sort of the integrity of, I'm just trying to help a client. Mm -hmm. So, so I think people see through you to yourself sometimes. Yeah. So if they see that you're well-intentioned, like they'll overlook a stupid comment. If I'm well-intentioned and I'm passionate and I'm just trying to help, I think that's part of being a change agent is like being, maybe being real would be the way to say it. Just being honest, yeah. open, transparent, yeah. and real with people. Yeah. I, I think you get more, tra I think that can give you traction as a change agent, almost independent of your words sometimes, right? They'll, like, it's really hard. You've seen this with engineers. They'll, they'll microanalyze your words. I've they, never had that happen. No? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, it's they a really, challenge. And yeah. then there's people that, you know, they want, they want to get to definitions. Yeah. And very often I screw up the words, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm screwing. I'm not, you know, I'm not carefully articulating things or I'm not articulating it the way I want to. Uh, but if I've established some realness with them, they'll overlook that. Uh, and if I haven't, then it's fear. So then the fear rises because it's, oh, this is a snake oils. So the counterpoint to that is what? Snake oil salesman, right? Mm -hmm. This is someone who's just selling me. It's not what they, it's not who they are. Right. They're just selling me that. I mean, you, you, you've sold that at not snake oil, but you're, you have this, I mean, with, at the dude, people connected to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, forget agile at some fundamental yeah. level. 
they connected to like the transparency, honest and honesty and intentions that you had. Don't you think? Yeah. I just tried to be the boss I wanted. Yeah. You know, and I had had plenty of examples that weren't what I wanted. So I had built up this expectation of what a good, healthy boss looked like. And that was the standard I tried to hold myself to. And people connected with that. It didn't mean I was right all the time. I, at least people understood the target I had and they were, to your point, they were willing to forgive the screw-ups along the way as I learned because they understood the core of who I was and who I wanted to be. And I told them about that. Yeah. yeah. Like I was up front about yeah. this is what I'm trying to do. This is what we're trying to do. It's not going to be perfect. It might be a little bit messy because we're doing some things. Yeah, I think this is different. a really important point that we're covering here. I mean, you know, there's like behavior and wise, but this connectability right. thing, right? Because we're going to screw the pooch infinite number of yeah. times, right? right? So it's that it's that connective tissue that, like the bond that we establish with teams, that really sort of it, it, either either they're with you or they're not, or it's just for a ride. Yeah, um, and they're with you and trust you, and they can go through the fear, right? Or if they're not with you, it just increases the fear. It's like what what, what you know what's the ulterior what's Josh's ulterior motive, right? right? Etc. What we've talked. What else as coaches do we do to sort of combat it? So uh, there's one thing I want to go. I want to try and center on like the, the number one points in a transformation where fear is going to be generated. Like I want to help coaches along the way. Like here's the potholes you're going to step into that first initial implementation or the first time people say, Hey, we're going agile or maybe it's the first sprint review or, the first planning session, first refinement, where are those well, I think big the, fear generators and how do we help people so be I got, prepped? So I did that blog post this morning on the, uh, the agile, you know, Bob scaling mm-hmm. it was tongue in cheek clearly. Yeah. Uh, but Dan Mizick uh, is a coach out of the Northeast and he commented, I haven't approved it yet. And he's done something called open space agility, which is an invitation uh, based response. So I, I think it's not an event. It's not a specific event like the stand up, but it's the beginning. I think in the beginning as coaches, the, the less, the less we tell and the more we invite discussion and explore emergent. You, you did this at the dude, I think to mm-hmm. some degree, like the donut was emer- an emergent yeah. thing. <laughs> based on not just your ideas, but observations from the team mm-hmm. and sort of generally we evolved the donut. Mm-hmm. I think, I think in the beginning, if it's, if the coach is uh, a mouthpiece to leadership and you've explained the high level why, but you're not engaging people in the, if you're not engaging, if you're not asking them to engage, if you're not asking them for their ideas, mm-hmm. like specifically Kanban versus scrum, yeah. get them engaged uh, not that you're going to blindly follow. They're not going to, you know, somewhere in between blindly following you as the coach and blindly following themselves, but where we can create what's shared, a shared understanding using the coach's knowledge, right? Their experience and their mm-hmm. knowledge, but listening to the team, that's a better start, right? Yeah, and because the less of that you have, that's it, it, called engagement. There's, I, I think there's, so less engagement, higher fear. Do you know like, mm-hmm. like as engagement goes down, they're not asking that, my opinion. Right. So then there's the what lower trust, probably lower safety, and higher fear as a result of that. Whereas if I can increase that, 
Um, in the beginning, I think that's important, but then at any step of the way, I think during like the retrospectives yeah. and stuff, what do you think? Yeah. The things that we did that align with that relied heavily on Spotify's approach yeah. and the chapters really helped because the chapters gave people a forum to discuss those challenges Yeah, from yeah. architecture of the product, to architecture of our process, to architecture of our team. It created this consistent standard forum where people knew they could go have an opinion it was safe create a dialogue and then change happened right so we put those in place so people knew and understood that they were there we still had to work really hard to get people to engage people were excited about it but the first six months it was all the more senior people talking and everybody else just kind of sat and listened and nodded their head but that's, that's engagement right. and trust. Right. And say, so safety is not just a coach outward or a leader outward thing. There's safety factors in the team itself, yeah. right? So you have leaders in the team. Right. And it's not that they're intentionally creating a lack of safety, but the fact it would be really, I mean, it's intimidating for someone with two years of experience to communicate, to have ideas and share it with someone with 15 years of experience. Right. right? But that, that took us. 10 months, we'll yeah. say, to get the culture change to where yeah. we encourage the less experienced people to be comfortable yeah. up there. And that was as much coaching them as it was coaching the more senior folks and getting them to just zip their lip yeah. and let somebody else have an so answer. Both sides of that yeah. Idea. So it was those things that over time, and then the party just got started and it kind of took over itself. And we didn't, once we, once we broke the dam, that river came running through and everybody was on board. See, I don't think it's a single, you were asking the, what, what were the events? I think it's like beginning and then maintaining momentum. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's like do this in sprint planning or yeah. do this in release planning and there's shitty release planning or good release planning. I think it's more of how you start. I'm convinced it's how you, now you can start poorly and then improve it over time. Mm -hmm. But that start is so critical. So the start of everything is crucial. And I don't know, that would be something we could focus on in the Medicast. We focused on, you know, years ago. Remember that toolkit we were talking yeah. about doing? Uh, but we could maybe spend a Medicast or two talking about how to start up, like project chartering or chartering teams and things. Because I think that's starting a point. Uh, and, and there's high fear. So we enter... You, because it's a change, because Agile is a change. I think everyone has, even leaders have high fear. Yeah. Is it going to work or not? Mm -hmm. right? right? Is it going to work here or not, et cetera? So across the organization, there's high fear. And then the start is sort of sets the tone. Are we going to start reducing it over time? Or is it? Or are we going to even amplify it over time, right? I, I, so I don't think it's an event. And then are we going to generate momentum like you did? The continuous coaching yeah. and the reaffirmation, I think, does something with that. And the one thing that we learned also was that everybody has their own starting point. So, yes, you started it. You kicked it off, and it's got momentum with the people that are there. You have to spend similar energy with everybody that you bring on board that's new. We made some mistakes along the way because – we had built up a very agile practice, very exciting process that we were proud of that was working very well. Word got out. People wanted to come work for us, and we interviewed them, and they were very agile. Yeah. At least that's what we perceived. But their view, like you said, 
of what Agile was and what we were doing was different. Yeah. No fault of their own, but, but they had just lived in different worlds. So we thought they'd just plug in and go. Yeah. And in reality, we had to do some of that level setting with them. Like, okay, I get you've done Agile. Here's how we do Agile here, and here's what it means, and here's here's how we're going to coach you through the first two months of it. We didn't do a good enough job of that, so then we had to rewind and unwind some of the things that we should have done that we didn't, and we eventually got to the point where we had that smoothed out, but we expected it to just kind of take care of itself and on it its own, but it, it didn't, yeah. and we had to learn and understand that well, everybody's starting finally, point is that's still those, a starting point. That's those finally points and bringing it and integrating them. I, I want to switch to the nevers as part of a – so. It's, and again, I don't know where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to put the question to you, but so there's the so there's the the, the final pe- finally we're there people. There's the holy crap people in the middle, and then there's the never. I'm never going to you know. I'm just never going to do this stuff. Do we fire them? Do we remove them? And if we do, what does that do to fear? And and this may not be a coaching. This may be a a coach question, or maybe coach as leader question, mm-hmm. or something like that. But they're not on board. But and I'm bringing it back to fear. Yeah. But, but if we let them go, and however we do it, however humanely we do it, it still sets the tone of we're, we're going to eject people from this thing, right? So is is that congruent? Does that increase fear, decrease fear? I think if it truly is a situation where they believe it's never going to happen, and I've worked with people that have said to me. I didn't sign up to work like this. This is not how I want to work. And, I, and my reaction was like, okay, I get it. This is how we're working. And I understand and appreciate that you want to work in a different way. So let's find a place where you're happy because we're not going to alter the way we operate because you want to work this way, even though we as an organization have decided to work in a different manner. And what it what hit me It took someone to say that to me of, I didn't come here to work like this. So their world changed. They interviewed with somebody. There was a process in place. They liked it. They signed up for that. They were excited. It's what they wanted. And now the rug was pulled out from under them. It's not their fault. Yep. But they at least had the courage and decency to say, this isn't how I want to roll. So I remember several. I have a face in mind. Yeah of several people at a place where you and I met of Teradata mm-hmm. where I had that conversation yeah. with several people who will remain nameless, yeah. but they were like, no, not signed up for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not on board. And then now you're at this, you're, you you know, sort of you're at a crossroads. What do you do? Right. So if I, if we remove them, but it does, what it does say is it does raise the fear, doesn't it? I'm wondering how we made it. I mean, uh, I don't think I, I've, had tremendous success with that on both sides. One, the people that you, and this is the approach I took that you help find a place where they want to be, where the process is what they want it to be, where they believe in the direction, right? They appreciate you helping them find a home. The team appreciates you helping them have consistency because they just want to work it's hard enough to do their job, and now they're trying to work this way with this group and this way with this group. The problem becomes, and I had people um, at the same place say, 
there's been managers that have come and gone. I've been here longer than all of them, so you'll be gone soon enough as well. So I'm just going to stick it out, right? So I've I've had those types of situations. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that person didn't report to me, so I couldn't do anything about it. Um, but as the change agent there, that was the that was the message that was sent. I think we have to be careful. I mean, it does. I agree with you. I've had success doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people I fired. Some people I found homes for. Some people I, it, it's just they they weren't comfortable and they left on their own. Yeah, there's a variety of ways. I do think you have to be careful that you know what was that that movie years ago? It was a town where the children were all acting the same. Stepford. There was the town of you know mm-hmm. you don't want people to just be pretending. Yeah, because they're afraid. Right. So, so it's, it's, you have to be really careful, I think, as a leader of when you do it, explain the why, you know, do the, go through the process that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can't communicate to everyone and give them the backstory. So that's not available. But somehow it's readily apparent to people because the people that have said this will never work. Right. You're not the only person they said it to. Right. Right. And they're going to, usually those folks are very outspoken. And they are completely willing to put it out there that this is a terrible idea. This isn't going to work. Yep. Here's why. Yep. And so that that weighs on the rest of the group that's on board and is well, trying th- to make this well, happen. I think working with them as part of the fear reduction is you're not immediately just like cutting their heads off. Right. Like you don't give them a day. Right. Yeah. Adjust to Agile. You have a day to do it. Otherwise, you're out of here. Yeah. I think if, if teams see how we work as coaches, mm-hmm. that we're patient, we're working uh, we're trying all kinds of alternative ways to really engage them. I think that goes a long way as well. Okay. What else? Did we cover this? I'm trying I feel to pretty good about it. I'm, I'm not fearful. I'm afraid that I, I might. Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't know where I was going to go with that. <laughs> I, th- I think I think we, I'm almost feeling we need a wrapper. Like it, it, it maybe embrace, maybe the final thing for coaches is embrace it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, uh, igno- you know, sometimes if you say something, if you acknowledge, uh, a Donald Trump joke just went through my oh, head. Boy. I know, and I don't want to go there in a Metacast. Uh, but if you acknowledge it, if you call it out, it somehow diminishes it or it changes the, the spectrum. So if you, if you, you know, show vulnerability and say, yes, I'm afraid too. Or yes, you, you know this is this is going to be this is going to be an awkward phase. Yeah, and I know all of you are afraid, and I'm here for you. So I think if I think a final point is that as coaches, if we if we don't pretend it's not there, but we call it out mm-hmm. and we call it out appropriately in the organization, and we talk to the teams of and you know I'm going to be patient, and it's a path, and it's a journey. And I'm going to work with every individual and we're going to work with each other and stuff. I think, I think, so not pretending, not pretending it's not there, but really embracing the fear. Yeah. I think that helps. yeah you have to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Yeah. I, I think maybe that's the final thing to do. Uh, but a lot of people, they don't want to talk about it because it's like, oh, we'll go down these dark paths or something like that. Well, that's where I started was that I, I didn't accept that that was the reality. Right. That I was in some people's eyes, the bad guy. Yeah. Right. That this is the person that's trying to change my daily life that I was comfortable with. that I was happy with. And I don't understand why I'm being asked to change. 
whether this is the person that initiated the change or not, they're the face of it. Yeah. So they now are the one that, you know, kind of the, the hair on the back of my neck stands up when they walk in the room. Cause like, Oh no, now what are they going to ask me to do? Right. Right. Well, and, and I mean, another flip side of embracing the fear is also saying, uh, so, so I like you just inspired me. So there's embrace the fear, but there's also don't get so complacent. You're always going to be uneasy. Yeah. So I think embrace, um, there was a guy, a business agility guy, and he's, he, uh, Eben, I forget his Laborn, and he has this talk that I've seen him propose at a couple conferences he's given, and it's uh, I'm going to get it like uh, embrace the discomfort or something mm-hmm. like that, or embrace the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. So that's a, the other. I think the other side of it is embrace the fear, but also ready the team that it's always going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. Right? There's always going to be discovery. We're always going to screw the pooch. We're always going to find things that we can improve. We're going to have great successes, but we're also going to have failures. Uh, so just get ready for that stuff, yeah. right? Maybe setting the uh, – that's actually – that could be some of the startup stuff, right? You know, how you start is really crucial. Like how do you – maybe as a storyteller or how you set the stage mm-hmm. I think is really important. I feel better now. You do? I do. Oh, good. Well, if you feel better, I, I was better. afraid that we were going to end poorly, but now I'm not. That's good. Yeah. So are we done? We're done. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North, and it is beautiful. We're in my home, beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. I'm Bob Ganwin. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake, y'all. Take care.